Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your Market View. We're going to wrap up the week today by looking at markets and currency movements in the US and also within Asia. Now, increasingly, analysts say there may be opportunities in the market, and in particular, small cap growth stocks amid the current economic climate. But why is this the case, and what should we be looking out for in the US and abroad? In the meantime, brighter days ahead for the Asia-Pacific region as well, with reports suggesting that travel industry in APEC may recover faster than the rest of the world. Now, what what would this mean for growth in the region as well as the strength of major currencies going forward? Now, for more, let's speak to Henry Quack, APEC Head of Global Markets at State Street. Henry, you, how are you? Thank you. Thank, thanks for having me. Thank well, Henry, let's briefly start with the US. Goldman Sachs says it sees some attractive opportunities in US stocks, but S&P remains expensive. Do you agree with this? And what is your assessment of the US market right now? I think in the current environment, we continue to favor US equities as part of the equity portfolio as they remain relatively high quality, um, defensive and with decent share buybacks and high dividend yields. Right, Quarter three earnings season is well underway. And given how EPS growth has already been downgraded by more than 7% running up to the quarter three season, we believe analyst consensus of 4% growth this quarter looks reasonable for US corporates to beat. The question still remains on how guidance will look given how aggressive the Fed has been over the past 12 months as funding cost is no longer as favorable as prior cycles. With respect to valuation, it's not cheap nor expensive according to our metrics, but most high-quality large-cap stocks remain in the U.S., while capital flows tend to move back into the country if we see further risk sell-off across the world. So increasingly, Henry, analysts are pointing to global small-cap stocks. Why do you think this is the case, and do you agree with that? I, I think probably small stock caps have been sold up quite a bit, so I think there is some value in that sense. But I think the, the consensus is that value stocks will outperform and growth stocks will take a pause, as we have seen the sell-off in a lot of the tech stocks in recent days. In fact, overnight, you see the snap collapse, collapse as well quite a bit. So I think we should be a bit more conservative in our call-out to low-cap stocks at this point in time. This is a bit different from what others are saying, uh, a bit of caution there. And uh, I want to take a look, uh, Henry, at the slew of earnings report we've seen. Some positive reports from major banks, a number of good reports from Netflix, for instance. Do we see any significant divergence in performance between the banks and other major big names reporting? Yeah, I think US consumers are still holding up reasonably well, much better than the rest of the developed markets as wage growth is solid, while retail demand has remained relatively resilient. We continue to stick with consumer stocks as earnings could, again, once again, surprise us on the upside. Given the ability for these corporates to pass high input costs to high end consumers. Post pandemic, the higher income group still has ample of savings and is willing to spend on non essential items. Last quarter, most durable companies beat earnings, and the same is expected this time around. So we, we think that there is a lower elasticity of demand to higher to higher prices, making the industry group to outperform, even if inflation stays hot in the near term. Right. From all the earnings reports they are seeing so far, what do you think they suggest about the state of the US economy and have markets reached their bottoms yet? 
I think that's a great question, Tian-Tian. Um, we believe there's more room for markets to go down, actually, as institutions oh, have hardly capitulated this year despite disappointing price actions. Investors are still neutral in terms of their aggregate equity positions, while cash holdings are still nowhere close to the recession-like levels for us to believe that investors will buy the dip. Our aggregate investment behaviour also indicates further challenges ahead as inflation remains elevated, which should force the Fed to remain hawkish, while growth has clearly slowed down, especially on the manufacturing side. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Henry Quack, Asia-Pacific Head of Global Markets at State Street. And uh, Henry, for now, what are your expectations uh, for future rate hikes by the Fed? How many more rounds of hikes can it go this year? Um, we believe that the current state of the US economy is still running above long-term trend, long trends. And this means there's no choice but to continue its tightening path for the Federal Reserve. And I think you saw the overnight comments from the Philadelphia Fed that you know rate right. would continue, and also I think the the swap markets have also priced in quite a high level at five percent. Our recession indicator only points to a six percent chance of a recession over the next six to twelve months, which is slightly different from consensus. And consumers are clearly the main reason why U.S. growth is significantly stronger than the rest of the world. Inflation, from a base effect perspective, will slow down but it's still well elevated for the Fed to pause. So we expect another, you know, probably 150 basis points left to hike this year for the Fed. 75 basis points each in the last two meetings. That being said, um, while rate hikes could continue, the bigger question is how liquidity will be impacted from further quantitative tightening, given what we have seen in the gilts market over the past month. Speaking about gilts, I just want to take a look at what's happening in the UK. Uh, European markets, UK markets, seems to be getting a lift from a U-turn, well, the former Prime Minister Liz Truss government's U-turn in fiscal policy. But now we know that Liz Truss is out of the picture. So with all of that going on, where do you think the British sterling is headed against the US dollar? I mean, despite the changes in uh, Prime Minister and the collapse of the government, uh, we still believe that you know we are relatively bearish on the sterling, uh, potentially seeing close to parity against the US dollar. Recent price action is somewhat encouraging given the quick reversal of policy from the government, right? But as you can see, the political you know mess that we're seeing in the UK will still play out in the next few months, which will impact the pound for sure. The UK is projected to have the highest inflation coupled with the worst growth outlook as they are expected to be the first to enter into recession. Policy can be reversed, but volatility will remain. As we clearly learn that the gills market is far more vulnerable to liquidity shocks, while real money investors are still aggressively selling both sterling and the gills, despite already building an extreme underweight position. Knowing what we know now, how far do you think the Bank of England will need to go in terms of interest rate to keep prices down? I believe that the Bank of England will have to tweak some of its policies, right? Given that, you know, there's been a U-turn in terms of the fiscal policies. Right. I think the rate hikes would have to continue for sure. And the question is that, you know, that could impact that the fact that we are calling for UK to enter into recession first, right? So there is the delicate balance between tweaking interest rates higher versus managing the growth outlook. Henry, I'd like to switch gears to look at APEC as well. A new report by the World Travel and Tourism Council uh, suggesting that uh, the travel industry in APEC may completely recover ahead of other regions and it estimates travel revenue in APEC to contribute 32% more 
to the region's GDP than before the pandemic. What are your thoughts on this and what are your expectations for growth in the region going forward? I think that's an extremely good question for Asia, right, as markets open up. And having just been to a couple of the North Asian countries myself, you know what I see is lacking? Chinese tourism. And I think that has a major impact on the tourism sector in Asia. I think the turnaround will come when China opens up its markets and the Chinese tourists will, will flood the markets again. But having said that, the economic recovery in APEC region, I think, is underway. And countries with a higher dependency on foreign tourism revenue will certainly get a boost from the resumption of global travel, right? However, with a more challenging external environment where major central banks are raising interest rates to tackle inflation, the sharp tightening of financial conditions means the APEC region faces outflows pressures. And of course, the China slowdown weakens the regional growth momentum. So central banks in the region need to find a delicate balance of hiking rates to anchor inflation, especially core inflation, and to keeping an eye on domestic financial stability and growth prospects. So as I said before, I think you know we are in a very uneven stage of Asia, where Asian, some Asian countries are way ahead of the opening, and some are just at the cusp of opening. Right. And talking about those countries that have reopened their borders, we're talking about Thailand, we're talking about Japan now. How would increased economic activity and renewed tourism sector growth bolster these major currencies or are governments likely to press their currencies down to pursue growth going forward? I think it's a very important question at this particular point in time, right? Given the Fed is you know, in a very strong hiking cycle and Asian central banks are basically reacting to a lot of these things. I think with the US dollar being the king at the moment, right, dominating most of the currency markets, regional currencies have weakened across the board, right, against the dollar, and mainly because of the US dollar interest rate differentials and tightening of financial conditions. Pickup in economic activities and tourism could help strengthen domestic economy and build up foreign exchange reserves to buffer as a balance of payments improves. However, when it comes to exchange rate movements, countries should follow fundamentals, tackle domestic inflation, stabilize expectation by hiking rates when needed, use FX intervention only when abnormal volatility causes market dysfunctions. Rapid currency depreciation could lead to more important inflation and hurt financial stability while excess FX intervention against macro fundamentals will raise valuable reserves and dampen investor confidence, causing heightened capital flight risk. So I think what we are seeing in the Asian Pacific region is central banks are slowing the rise of the dollar. I think that's the intervention factor here. I think the trend as the US interest rate cycle continues to go higher, the US dollar will remain a predominantly uh, where, every, where everybody wants to have a hold on it. But will it come a point whereby intervention itself is not enough? And what would then happen for, let's say, the Japanese central bank, Thailand central bank going forward? Will they have to go for more aggressive rate hikes and sort of change course from what they are doing right now? I, I think there will be a point in time where I think the US dollar and the US dollar policy will have to change tech. I think at the end of the day, you know, the strong US dollar may not be in the interest of the, the Fed as well, right? And the US economic policy. So I think there will be a turning point, an inflection point. And whether that means that, you know, local interest rates are hiking above the US rate cycle, that's one. And secondly, I think when, when and if there is a coordinated central bank intervention across, I think that will be the turning point for the dollar. But at this stage, I think it's still early days. Uh, I, think they managed, I think there is a need to manage and curb inflation first. And I think the dollar strength as 
a separate uh, view of where it fits into the whole fiscal, monetary, and economic cycle of things in Asia. So I think there are two things to look out for, the strength of the US dollar, inflation, and I think the Asian central banks would have to react accordingly to that. Right. And in the meantime, Henry, the IMF has said that Asia and Southeast Asia in particular will enjoy a strong year despite recessionary risks. Now, growth for Asia and the Pacific expected to come in at 4% this year, 4.3% next year. Do you agree with this assessment and which economies and sectors should we be watching out for? Yeah, I think that's another very good question. I think as we look into the markets opening out in Asia, in the rising rates and increasing recessionary risk environment, APEC is the last region to reopen, showed relative resiliency in their growth numbers. APEC, um, although I think countries with higher share of tourism and service in their economy will continue enjoying easing of travel restrictions, thus helping their current account recovery, export-oriented economies could see global demand contracts as inflationary, recessionary risk suppress consumption. I think the, the issue then is frontier markets, right? The smaller Asian markets with high dependency of food and energy imports could face terms of trade shocks that could pass through to core inflation and the lack of food security could lead to some social instability. So I definitely agree that, you know, it's going to be uneven in Asia. There will be some that will definitely benefit a lot more and turn around faster, but the majority of them could suffer on the frontier side of things. Right. Thank you very much, Henry. Always a pleasure speaking to you. And that was Henry Quek, APEC Head of Global Markets at State Street. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.